Hey folks, Jeffrey Epstein is back in the news. On Thursday, Jelaine Maxwell, Epstein's longtime associate, was charged in SDNY on six counts relating to Epstein's alleged sexual exploitation and abuse of girls and young women. Meanwhile, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency has announced that international students attending U.S. colleges that will operate only online this fall cannot remain in the country. And there's more weirdness at the DOJ. As a high-profile U.S. attorney, serving in the Eastern District of New York takes a new job at Maine Justice. I talk about all of this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, Try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid.edu email qualify for a special discount. Head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a special rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as part of the insider community. So there's another criminal case that has burst onto the scene. It's something that I think people have been wondering about for a while. People will remember Jeffrey Epstein and that saga that had a lot of twists and turns. And the case against him ended when he killed himself under weird and disturbing circumstances at the Metropolitan Correctional Center while he was awaiting trial in the Southern District of New York. But his associate, an associate by the name of Jelaine Maxwell, was indicted by SDNY last week in a six-count indictment press conference held by the new acting U.S. Attorney Audrey Strauss. Today we announce charges against Ghislaine Maxwell for helping Jeffrey Epstein sexually exploit and abuse multiple minor girls from the period of 1994 through 1997. It's an interesting indictment. Um, I guess there are questions as to why it took that long. Some of the conduct that's alleged there does not overlap with the conduct that had been alleged against Jeffrey Epstein. But maybe we should take a, a, a step back and discuss who this woman, Jelaine Maxwell, is. Yeah, so she's someone, and this is, it's worth noting, this is almost a year to the day after Epstein was indicted in the Southern District. And just to go back, folks will remember that Jeffrey Epstein, he pled guilty in 2008 in Florida, and that plea was to soliciting a prostitute. And again, you know, we remember that there was a federal investigation, and that federal investigation was essentially for sex trafficking and other things. It was pushed aside by Alex Acosta. Essentially, in instead, they, Epstein got a sweetheart deal. He got this plea in Florida state court. In 2009, there was a civil suit brought by one of Epstein's victims. And she said in that civil suit that she'd been sexually abused by both Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell um, when she had been 16. So Maxwell goes back to having been named in a suit back in 2009. Epstein, when he was charged last year, he was charged with sex trafficking minors. And that time period was related to 2002 to 2005. And the allegations were that he was sex trafficking girls as young as 14 to have sex with him. That basically was the sort of context that this comes up in. At the time when he was indicted, I think a lot of us were asking the question as to why she was not charged as well. And the reason why is that the allegations um, in the civil suit and that were also made publicly were essentially that 
Jillian Maxwell had been Epstein's girlfriend and then became, he described her in a Vanity Fair article as his best friend. And it was very clear that she was facilitating the young girls going back and forth between Florida, where Epstein had a place, and New York, where he lived as well. Um, She was facilitating getting them to those locations and essentially setting up these massages um, that were sexual assaults um, of of these young women. And so she was clearly identified as somebody who was part of the overall scheme, which was, you know, a lot of times when you think about sex trafficking, someone has to, someone is procuring the victims, someone is, you know, luring them in, in giving them money or, or compensation of some form. And so, you know, there was a lot, I think, of evidence in my mind, at least at the time, that would have warranted investigating Maxwell for sex trafficking as part of a conspiracy with Epstein. Yeah. I mean, the thing that we'll we'll get into some of the details of the particular charges, but something for people to remember is we have case after case where there's someone who is believed to be, based on public allegations and otherwise, a serial sex offender. You have Harvey Weinstein, you have Bill Cosby, you have others. At the end of the day, when charges are brought, if they are ever brought, they're most usually brought with respect to a, a small subset of those charges because you can't have generalized allegations that someone has engaged in in sexual misconduct. In the court of law, you have to have a specific victim, specific corroboration if the victim is going to testify about what that victim says and alleges, and you know other physical evidence if it's possible as well, which often is not when a lot of time has passed. And so even though it's the case that there's a lot of public allegation that Jeffrey Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell engaged in this conduct over a course of years and with many, many, many victims, at the end of the day, at this moment, the charges against Jelaine relate to three victims who are not identified by name, but are identified um, generically, who probably are people who are going to testify at the trial and, you know, are the best evidence that the government has about particular misconduct. And can we go two points on that that I think are worth are worth noting? The first is that, to your point, which is exactly right, that it's not about generalized allegations. It's about specific conduct under a statute. So sex trafficking, you have to essentially prove that someone was compelled into a commercial sex act. So a sex act for which there's there's some form of, of compensation. So in thinking about someone like Maxwell or other enablers, and you can think about this, whether it's in the context of Harvey Weinstein or Jeffrey Epstein or others, you have to prove that they shared the intent of the principle. If you charge them with profiting or somehow, you know, being a part of this overall sex trafficking organization, you have to prove that they knew about this organization, right? Or that they shared in the intent that Epstein had to sexually assault these young women. And so when you think about that, you can understand that it's not as straightforward as if a victim walks in and says, I was sexually assaulted by Jeffrey Epstein. That's not enough in order to convict someone like Maxwell. You need to have that that victim walk in and be able to say, here are the things that Maxwell did, and you have to be able to to prove the case against her based on that. So, so I think your your point is well taken. Um, there is some evidence, though, when you when you go back to this and to what she was actually charged with, there was there is some evidence, and it goes back to the '90s. And so, the counts charged in this indictment that relate to these three victims are from 1994 to 1997. What's really interesting about that is it predates the sex trafficking statute, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, which was went into law in 2000. And so Epstein was charged with sex trafficking. So essentially, she's charged with the Mann Act, which is transporting someone across state lines for purposes of sexual assault. And she's charged with essentially enticing those women. But what's really important to understand is that those charges, which are 
before the human trafficking laws went into effect, they, they are charges in which there's one victim, there's specific allegations that Maxwell engaged in a sexual assault of a young woman along with Epstein. And that's powerful and important evidence, again, showing her actions. And so as we think about this, it's just really important to sort of put those pieces together when we think about why is she charged with the 1990 stuff and not the 2000 pieces. So there are two other counts in the indictment as well that are counts of perjury, which can be a little bit easier to prove, but they're kind of interesting. They stem from a civil deposition that Jelaine gave in April of 2016 that arose from a, from a lawsuit against her based on some of these same allegations. And when you charge perjury or you charge making a false statement under 18 U.S.C. 1001, you have to plead with particularity in the indictment what the statements were that you're alleging were false and material. And in count five, they actually list the Q&A. And in the deposition, Jelaine was asked, did Jeffrey Epstein have a scheme to recruit underage girls for sexual massages, if you know? By the way, that's, that's never a good practice to say if you know. I don't know why people do that. Obviously, you only say it if you know. The answer was from Jelaine, I don't know what you're talking about. Question, list all the people under the age of 18 that you interacted with at any of Jeffrey's properties. Answer, I'm not aware of anybody that I interacted with other than obviously the plaintiff who was 17 at this point, they allege that that's, that's perjury. Then there's count six, which there's a little bit of a longer excerpt from the deposition, which just, you know, warning to some folks if you're listening with your kids. Question, were you aware of the presence of sex toys or devices used in sexual activities in Mr. Epstein's Palm Beach house? Answer, no, not that I recall. And then there's more questions about the sex toys or devices. And then she gets asked about other sexual activities of Mr. Epstein. And then the question is, is it your testimony that in the 1990s and 2000s, you were not aware that Mr. Epstein was having sexual activities with anyone other than yourself and the blonde and brunette on those few occasions when they were involved with you? Answer, that is my testimony. That is correct. Question, is it your testimony that you've never given anybody a massage? It's kind of a broad question. I, that's a very, I was going to say, that's a very, very broad question. And answer, answer is equally is, broad. Yeah. I have not given anyone a massage. Anyone. A question, you never gave Mr. Epstein a massage? Is that your testimony? Answer, that is my testimony. Then question, you never gave minor victim two a massage? Is your testimony? Answer, I never gave minor victim two a massage. So it's some detail. And the in, fact in that the it's charged testimony. like that means that minor victim two will testify at a trial that, in fact, Maxwell That's did what it give must, her a it's massage what it must, and did give Maxwell. Yes. Yeah, it's what it must mean. But also, we were talking about time frames. And yeah, the particular first four counts that relate to sex trafficking and enticement and coercion of a minor relate to a particular time period, 94 to 97. But you see, with respect to this, th these uh, charges of perjury, these falsehoods, the time frame for the activity that's being asked about is much broader than 94 to 97. Yeah. And the one thing I'd say, so there, there are a couple of points about the 94 to 97 charges. It's clear that they have witnesses, victims who will testify, and it's clear that there are some pretty specific allegations. It is older though. Um, so you're talking about things that happened 10 years before, you know, the sort of 2000, the allegations from the 2000s. You're also talking about laws that 
I'm not saying that they're hard to prove. Um, I personally favor the human trafficking statutes, which basically say for victims under the age of 18, that if there's a commercial sex act, that the individuals involved and the people who profit or can be held liable for federal sex trafficking. So I think there's got to be a reason that they didn't charge it as sex trafficking. Either they intend to, or they're, they're hoping to, or they're always looking for additional victims, or they've made a decision that their strongest case and the victims on which they can rely to prove that Maxwell was involved directly, the strongest case is from the 1990s. And so they've, they've gone with that. What do you make of the arguments, Preet, that this relates to Berman being fired recently? Jeff Berman, who was the U.S. attorney until recently, and now his first assistant has, has taken over. And it's really less than two weeks later that these charges were filed. Yeah, I, I take that as pure coincidence. I mean, when I was fired in March of, of 2017, there were some cases, including a very prominent one that we were investigating with respect to the mayor of the city of New York, which was close to conclusion. And that's always going to be the case, right? There's always, in an office like SDNY, in the course of any given year, there are probably, you know, a dozen more or more very significant cases. At any given time, there's going to be a significant case that's about to be announced or arrests about to be made. And so when someone leaves, there's always going to be some significant thing that happens shortly thereafter. And people are always going to say, well, maybe, you know, that's not a coincidence. There's some reason why the case wasn't brought before. And I, I just don't, I don't buy that. I mean, Audrey Strauss was handpicked by, yeah, Audrey Strauss was handpicked by Jeffrey Berman. I'm sure they were on the same page with respect to how they were deciding to pursue various cases. And now is just the time. Yeah. And in your case, I'm pretty sure that the president wouldn't have fired you to protect Bill de Blasio, the Democratic mayor of New York. (laughs) I'm just saying, that's just my view. What do you make, Preet, of the fact that this case is being handled um, as the Epstein case was in the public corruption unit, not in the human trafficking unit of the U.S. Attorney's Office? I think that's you know somewhat significant. People have commented on it, and it could be for a number of reasons. It could be that as an initial matter, there were at least one or more targets or subjects of the investigation who were public figures. Maybe they were looking at the sweetheart deal that you were talking about between the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of Florida, led then by Alex Acosta, public official, and maybe they thought there were some irregularities there, and that's what they were looking at. Maybe they were looking at some other prominent public officials who seemed to have been caught up in the sex trafficking against whom charges have not been brought, but there are there are people, including uh, you know a certain prince, that has been implicated in all of this, and so maybe they decided because of the sensitivity of the matters, and the possibility that there would be some investigation of or charges against someone who is a public figure either here or somewhere else, that that's why the investigation was there. You know, it's not the first time that what looks like a sex trafficking operation was being investigated by the public corruption unit in the Southern District. You may recall some years ago, and this was a giveaway at the time as well, that there was an investigation into a a certain prostitution ring and escort service, whose name I'm now forgetting. And and my good buddy, I think this is true, Boyd Johnson, who was then the the chief of the public corruption unit, was sitting in the back of the courtroom when there was a, a presentment or an arraignment of a defendant in that sex trafficking case. And people wondered why there why that was. And then we all learned sometime later the reason that was the case is that one of the people caught up in that investigation was the then governor of the state of New York, Elliot Spitzer. They took his resignation, and then my, my predecessor, Mike Garcia, made the, made the decision not to charge him. But look, that's an example of how you have this kind of a case with this kind of conduct being investigated by the public corruption. I'm not saying there's necessarily such a person, but that's a reasonable... It's also fair... Yeah, it's also a fair point that like if you had a group of lawyers who came in initially to do the public correction 
corruption aspect of it. Why was he given a sweetheart deal in Florida? All those pieces, they would keep the case as a rule. You know, they might bring in someone with sex trafficking prosecution experience, but but once the case is in a unit and they've gone down the road of a, of a prosecution. Now, you mentioned Prince Andrew of England. I was sort of struck by the photographs of uh, Jelaine Maxwell sitting on the throne in England. It's it's a, you know, it's a very interesting thing to see about like the extent of the power that Epstein had and the sort of access that they both had and, and potentially the depth of what went on here. I mean, we don't know, but I don't want to sort of speculate, but it really, that's sort of jarring. What's also interesting to me is I think the question a lot of folks are raising is, will she plead guilty and cooperate? Will she become a cooperator? And I think these are obviously serious charges. They carry sentences of up to 20 years um, in, in at least one instance. And so, but she is also not the principal. She will she will make arguments, I think, defenses that are other than the defenses, maybe similar to what Epstein has made, but I think she'll make defenses of, you know, I didn't know it was happening. I think that those will be, obviously, the U.S. Attorney's Office believes that they can defeat them. And it feels to me like they they are setting this up to have victim testimony that you know she was involved directly but what do you think what do you make of this possibility that she cooperates and provides evidence against other people yeah i think the presumption with respect to almost anybody who is charged whether it's a drug conspiracy case or something like this or public corruption there's an open door policy on cooperation and if it is the case that she is aware of other misconduct on the part of folks who are not currently chargeable and she wants to get some lenience in her in her sentencing if she decides to plead guilty, yeah, she should come forward with that. And by the way, people should remember, it is not always the case that an arrested person necessarily can get cooperation only for disclosing information about other people who are involved in the same kind of misconduct that they were. I mean, if you go back and take a totally different kind of case that we've talked about in the past, the college admission scandal, where all those prominent and wealthy parents were paying to have people take their kids' SATs or, you know, get into sports programs at various colleges. All those cases all around the country were made on the strength of one cooperating witness. And that cooperating witness, who I think came out of Massachusetts, was being investigated and was squeezed on a securities fraud investigation and said, hey, I had this information about this college admission scandal, and hence he became a cooperator. It is possible, given, you know, the circles in which Jelaine Maxwell travels, that she has evidence of completely different kinds of crimes and other sorts of things that are going on on the part of prominent people or, or not prominent people. And that can be the basis of cooperation as well. So you never know. It's not necessarily the case that she has like a little black book that lists all the, the you know, the disgusting men who engaged in this underage sexual misconduct. It's possible she does, right? Yeah, but, but, not, yes, but it doesn't have to be... Only, like, it's, it's possible she has other evidence of, of... She has evidence of other crimes. Yeah, the way we thought about it was you get somebody... And you have decent evidence against them, and the lawyer calls and says, is there any possibility of cooperation? And the response would always be, you know, what do you have? What do you got? And you never know what kinds of crazy things people have. I mean, there's, there's, there's all sorts of possibilities, and, you know, you and I are in a difficult position outside of that place. You're not privy to the conversations to know what kind of information she has. And maybe she doesn't have any. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid .edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.